Traders Point, how we doing? Hey, it's so good to be with you. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors around here. To everyone at the campuses, everyone watching online, welcome. It is December 1st, which means all things Christmas are now officially acceptable. Who here already has their tree put up in their house? Love it, me too. All right, let's go a step further. Who here has already put lights up on the outside of their house? Y'all are wild. <laughs> Scaling buildings, risking your life for this? You guys are too much. I mean, my house never gets the light package, so I just want to take a moment and thank you because whenever my kids want to see a light, uh, we take a drive and we go and we look at all of your hard work. So from my family to yours, thank you so much. And if this is your first time with us, you picked a great time to start coming. We're actually kicking off a brand new series of messages today called The Way Back. And when we talk about a series, what we do is usually we take like a book of the Bible or a big concept or an event, something that's going to take us a long time to work through. And instead of just getting up here and preaching for like four hours on a Sunday, we say, Let, let's break this thing up. And I know we get the emails every week of how you guys want longer and longer sermons, and we hear you. Um, but we're going to stick with this plan for now, and we'll see how, how it plays out. But for this series, which is going to take us from now all the way up until our Christmas services, what we are going to look at is that first Christmas. And this big idea is that God sent Jesus here to provide a way back, back to him back to restore so many things that have gone wrong in our lives. But what we see when we kind of really look under the hood of that first Christmas, it's really different than maybe what you're thinking. Because that first Christmas, it was filled with fear. It was anxiety filled. It was, it was chaotic. There was so much going on. And maybe you're sitting here today thinking, you're talking about Christmas, right? The birth Jesus, the, the eight-pound, three-ounce baby Jesus. You're talking about chaos? You mean the, the, the nativity scene at my grandma's house, the one where everyone's in like that Joanna Gaines-styled farmhouse and the horse is making a bed for Jesus out of hay and the dog's bringing the, bo the bottle over to feed Jesus. And then there you have Mary and Joseph and sweet baby Jesus just sitting under the stars. And if you look long enough, you just see a shooting star scurry across the sky. Yeah, that Christmas, that Christmas didn't happen. That's not a real thing. <laughs> that Disney-esque picture we like to set, that's not what the first Christmas looked like. We see that on that first Christmas, it was actually filled with fear. There's a teenage pregnancy, fear. There's a wedding that's almost called off at the last minute. There's fear. There's so much going on that no one really has answers to or no one seems prepared for. It was so much fear in Mary and Joseph and all of the people around them. Is there anyone here today that can relate to that? Like that kind of fear. Like you're here today on the first day of December, but really the only thing you feel right now is fear. It feels like everything else has kind of fallen off the rails and even though you know Christmas is in the background, it's coming really quick, it doesn't really feel like something worth celebrating. You know, there's this line um, from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe uh, where they walk out into Narnia for the first time and they say, here 
It's always winter, but it's never Christmas. Does anyone feel like that today? Like no need to audibly agree or raise a hand, but if you are here and you're working through a lot of fears, we just want you to know this one's for you. And Jesus offers a way back, maybe back for the first time for you. And we're so glad that you're here. And we just want to invite you back again. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next week. Aaron's going to be back. He's going to be walking through what it looks like to walk out of anxiety. So make sure you don't miss that one. But for today, we're really going to be drilling in on fear. And to do this, we're going to take a step back. And we're going to go way before Bethlehem, way before in the nativity scene, Way before that night, and we're actually going to go back to the very, very beginning, before the manger, before the birth. And to do this, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And the guy who wrote this, um, Luke, he was actually hired. He was contracted out by a very, very rich man. Like, think about if Zuckerberg wanted to know something, he would hire someone and go, tell me all the things about this. So this guy looks for the, the, the smartest person he knows, and he finds Luke, and he says, go back and research. Go back and talk to the eyewitnesses from the account of Jesus' birth in his life and bring back everything to me so I can know. And Luke tells us why he, why he did this, why he wrote this whole account of Jesus' life. He says, so that we can be certain of the truth that we find in the Bible. So that's what we're going to be looking at today, starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, no worries if you don't have a Bible. Everything I read will be on the screens behind me. But take a look at this. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. All right. So some big things to hold on to here before we move forward. Like, there's a lot going on here. The, an angel appears. And this is a really big deal because nothing has happened. No one has heard from God in a long time. About 400 years, which is completely out of, out of the normal. Because the Jewish people had this long-standing relationship with God where God was always there. God sent prophets. God spoke to his people. God rescued his people. He was there all the time. And then you have this 400 years of silence where everyone begins to question and everyone begins to have these fears. These, is God ever going to speak again? Is God going to show up again? Because it's been winter without Christmas for a really long time. And then we see this. God shows up. He sends an angel. But he doesn't send an angel to who you might think. He doesn't send an angel to a king. He doesn't send it to some religious leader, some priest. No, he sends it sends this angel to a virgin named Mary, this ordinary, regular person, just like you and me. But that doesn't exactly comfort Mary. Take a look at this. It says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She said, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Woo. As you can imagine, when the angel of the Lord appears to you and says, greetings, favored woman, it doesn't exactly, you know, take away fear. Like, what do you do with this? And she's like trying to process, like, what is being favored even mean? And the angel picks up on all of that. And you notice what he said? He said, hey, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. Now, if you've ever been afraid, having someone say, hey, don't be afraid, is possibly the worst thing that you could say in that moment. Never in the history of fear has someone stopped being afraid because someone thought, oh, I just need to tell him not to be afraid. Like I remember for me, uh, when I was younger, I would be riding around in the truck with my grandpa and we would be in Kentucky, way out in the middle of nowhere. Way out so far that you turn off like the main road to the side road to the gravel road. And then you get to these spots where you can't get through unless you get out of the truck, open the gate all the way up, drive through and then close the gate behind you. Anyone here know some places like this? Those are the worst places. And I'm about to get out of the truck and my grandpa leans over and he says, hey, when you get out of there, watch out for snakes. I said, what? He said, well, yeah, there's snakes. Watch out for snakes when you go to undo the gate. I said, there's snakes here? He said, son, we're in Kentucky. Yeah, there, there, there's snakes here. I said, well, I'm pretty afraid. He said, oh, you don't have to be afraid. I, I'm pretty afraid. He said, oh, no, no, you don't have to be afraid. And then he said, if, if you need it, there's a shovel in the back. I said, why do I need a shovel? Am I <laughs> digging my own grave out here? He's like, no, 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 but if a snake comes, you can just hit it with the shovel. I said, sir, there is no world in which a snake comes. And my first thought is to hit it with a shovel. <laughs> I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. But that's not what the angel does here. The angel tells Mary exactly why she doesn't have to be afraid. He says, you don't have to be afraid because you have found favor with God. Just hold on to that because that is going to be a really big thing that comes back. But he says, you don't have to be afraid because you found favor. And you can tell that, that Mary's trying to, to process all of this. She's, she's trying to catch her breath. She's trying to remember what is going on. So she just like starts playing back what the angel just said to her. Greetings, favored woman. Who talks like that? Probably what she's thinking. And then she's probably dismantling her whole view of what she thought an angel would look like. She's like, I thought he would be bigger, but here we are. Um, so you're an angel. I'm favored. What did he say next? Okay. You will give birth and conceive a child and you will name him Jesus. Huh. If I had a son, I don't know if I would have named him Jesus. Maybe, maybe Reese or I don't know, something like that. But it's cool, I guess. But wait a minute. Conceive and give birth. The fears come back. The questions come back. She finds her voice, and she kind of has something to bring up that's pretty valid. And look what Mary asked the angel. She said, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. It's a fair question in this situation. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born 
holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Oh, well, that settles it. <laughs> but there's a lot going on here, and, and so much would have been coming at her. But I, want you, I just want to see how she closes out this conversation in verse 38. Look at this. It's beautiful. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Like, what a night. Can you imagine being there? Mary. She has her whole life kind of set up in front of her. It's all about to go down. She has a fiance. She's about to get married. And then in this one moment, with this one interaction with an angel, everything changed. Every plan, every idea, every dream she had about her future was now completely wiped away. That will induce some fear. Some fear. I mean, what do you do with this information? How do you tell people this, that you're about to have God's baby? How do you tell your parents that? How do you tell your fiancé that? She has all of these fears. And we see pretty quickly that her fears are warranted. Because right after this interaction with the angel, she goes and has a conversation with Joseph. And I can only imagine how it went. They sit down, nice cup of coffee. They start talking. How's it going? Good. You? Good. Anything new? Well, now that you mention it. Um, so yesterday uh, there was this thing. And um, I'm going to tell you something, okay? And I don't want you Stay focused, okay? I don't want you to, you're going to hear some things. Trust me, okay? It's not what you think. I'm pregnant. Okay, no, stop. Don't look at me like that. It's not what you think. It's God's baby, okay? I know, I know how it sounds. I know how it sounds. But I'm telling you, there's this angel. He's Gabriel. He looked different, yeah, than I thought he would. He was talking kind of, I'm favored. It was a whole thing. But just know, we're still going to get married. I'm still going to marry you. Don't worry about that, okay? Joe's a little worried about that. We actually get Joseph's response once Mary shares with him that she's about to have a baby. It's a pretty short response. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He's not buying it, right? He's a good man, though. So instead of disgracing her publicly, which could have led to her being punished or even killed, he decides to break it quietly. I mean, this is wild. This isn't a normal thing. I know sometimes we read the Bible and just think, huh. I guess that's just what they were doing back then. Like God was just talking to people and handing out babies like hotcakes. It's not a normal thing, all right? Even back then, this is something that would have been so hard to believe that Joe can't. So he breaks off the engagement. I mean, it would take an act of God for Joseph to believe what Mary is saying here. And that's exactly what he gets. Take a look at this. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Sounds like Christmas, right? An angel comes to Joseph. And did you notice the first thing that he said to Joseph was, don't be afraid. And once again, he doesn't leave it just with that. He tells him why he doesn't have to be afraid. He said, because what, what's happening here, this isn't the first that anyone's hearing about it. Well, a virgin giving birth to a child, this was actually a prophecy that was given way before Mary and Joseph's lifetime to a prophet named Isaiah. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, everything that Mary said is true. And what's even wilder is that you get to be a part of this. You get to see this promise come true, this promise that God made a long, long time ago. And that you get to be there and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And after this dream, Joseph goes back to Mary. And once again, I can only imagine the conversation of like, hey, hey, Mary, you know, I've been thinking. And uh, if you say this is God's baby, look at me. That's, that's all I need. I believe you. You're a good, honest woman. You're beautiful inside and out. You say this, I believe it. And Mary's not buying it. She's like, oh, you, you, you believe me now, huh? Well, well, help me understand, Joe, because yesterday I was crazy. Yesterday I didn't know what I was talking about. Yesterday I was off my rocker, but today you understand. So help me understand, Joe, what happened between yesterday and today. Can you break it down for me, huh? Well, uh, you know, um, things, things happened. Oh, things happened. I don't know, Joe. Did an angel come and tell you everything that I said? Is that what happened, Joe? More, more or less, more or less, that's what, that's what happened. Well, Joe, I can tell you one thing. If every time I say something, you need an angel to come down from heaven to fact check what I'm saying, I don't know if this marriage is going to be working out for the both of us. And Joe apologized, the first of many apologies in his marriage career. And the fears just begin to set in. Like, it's not hard to read this story and to feel the fear of what's going on. And maybe you're here today and you can feel the fear in your own lives that you came in here with. Fears of how, how do I go into the holiday with this? And it's not like, you know, Christmas creates its own fears, but it can feel like that there's almost like a spotlight on all of the things that have been going on all year, and now is the time that they're going to be highlighted. Now is the time that everyone's going to be able to see it, and you're more aware of them. So maybe you have your own fears today. Fears of like, how, how can I go home when I don't have a job? How can I go home when I'm, when I'm still single how can I go home when my grades are going to come in? What are my parents going to think? Will they think I'm a failure? How can I go home when I'm still addicted? How can I go home after the arrest? Will, will everyone see me as a failure? 
We have all of these fears. And it's not like there's anything new in the world of fear. A lot of the fears that we struggle with today are the same fears that would have faced Mary and Joseph 2,000 years ago. These big buckets of fear that we just kind of collect over our time. And the longer we go, the harder it gets to walk in this fear to this point of like, I don't know if I can go any further. I need a way out. There's some big fears. Maybe you're here today and you just have this fear of failure. Mary and Joseph would have had this. How could they not? They're just starting out. They have no money. They have nothing. The failure rate would have been unbelievably high for them. How's this going to work out? I have that fear all the time, fear of failure. And what it looks like is it kind of stops you from being able to do anything because you're so worried about messing it up. You don't even know where to go or what to look to because life stops being about what's best or even what you should do. It just becomes this game of safety, this, this risk management. This, I better not mess this thing up. And it really is a fear of failure and not failure itself because most of us never get to the point of actually failing. Because in our minds, it's better just to not know than to fail and to be certain that we are a failure. Do you know what spending your life worried about failing produces? Fear. Maybe some of you guys are here today and you're focused on rejection. You have this fear of being rejected. Mary and Joseph would have had that. How can you not? They're about to have a baby outside of marriage. That'll get you rejected pretty quick. What are their friends going to say? What are their families going to say? How is this whole thing going to shake out? And in what world are they not rejected? Anyone here today with that one? You just constantly fear being rejected. It's this idea that, that you're only accepted because of what you produce. And the moment you do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, it's just a matter of time before you're rejected. It's just a matter of time before you lose your seat at the table. It's fear of rejection. There's this fear of failure. Then there's this, this all-encompassing fear that I won't be enough. This fear that I am not enough. Mary and Joseph had to be wrestling with that. How could they possibly think they were enough? Mary's not ready for a normal, ordinary baby, let alone God's baby. And Joseph, who is he to step in and to be the stepdad for the son, for God's son? How is this going to work out? There would have been so much fear of not being enough. Anyone here today just, just haunted by that feeling? That it just never feels like it goes away. It doesn't matter how hard you work, how much you hustle. It doesn't matter if you break your back for it. There's this thought in the back of your head that you will never be enough. That you'll never be the father. You'll never be the mother. You'll never be the husband. You'll never be the wife. You'll never be the friend. You'll never be the employee. You'll never be the student. You will never be the person that the people in your life need you to be. There's this fear. It's like stepping underneath a squat rack and before you go down knowing that there's no way you're going to be able to get this thing back up. And this example is completely made up. I have no idea what it would feel like to be underneath a squat rack. 
But I can only imagine how fearful it would be to feel all of that weight and to know it's on your shoulders and to know there's no way you're coming back up with this thing, that you're not enough. What is it for you? What are you afraid of? Is it failing? Is it being rejected? Is it not being enough? What is it right now that you've had to put on the back burner, that you've had to try to stop thinking about for this sermon and for this season just so you can get through? The fear that you have, the fear that is beginning to shape everything you do and why you do it, the fear that you are afraid to mention. Do you have it? Because here's what God came to say on that first Christmas. It doesn't matter how big that fear is. It doesn't matter how long you've been holding on to that fear. It doesn't even matter how many people in your life have validated that fear and told you you should be afraid. There is nothing that can compare. There is nothing that can compete. There is no fear of failure, no fear of rejection, no fear of not being enough that can stand against what God came to tell us on this first Christmas. The reason that he can stand there with confidence and tell Mary that you don't have to be afraid and he tells her why, and, it's, and it's to des- he uses it to describe the relationship she has with God. And it's the same word that describes all of our relationships with God. So it's why it applies to all of our fears every single day. He says, Mary, you don't have to be afraid because you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. You see, favor with God is the way back from fear. Favor with God is the way back from fear. All of the fears, every single one of them. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, what does that mean, favor? It's been a long time since I said, greetings, favored one. How are you doing today? But favored is is a pretty simple word. It just means to be a recipient of God's grace. When you have God's favor, it means that you are a recipient of God's grace. Grace, that that is for you, and that changes everything for you. But I think a lot of times we get caught up in this of favor being kind of uh, just for the end of our lives. Like favor is what we get at the end of our lives when we pass away and we walk up to heaven's gates and we swipe our ID card and it changes the light from red to green and we walk into heaven. Like that's favor, that's grace. And that is completely true. There is no world in which we get to be with God for eternity without grace, without favor. That is for God's heavenly gates. But favor is for so much more than that. You see, the favor that we have, the favor that God has placed on our lives is not just for heaven one day, it's for today. God's favor on our lives is not just for when we die and and what gets us into heaven. God's favor is for our relationships today. God's favor on our lives is for our jobs. God's favor on our lives is for our friends, for our kids, for every relationship that we have. And this is a strong kind of favor. This is not weak. This is not anything built on fear. This is built on the power of God and the spirit of God. 
This isn't just favor for heaven's gates. This is favor for hell's gates. There's a reason that hell has gates on it because they're afraid of what we have because of the favor God has shown us. Everything trembles underneath the favor of God because we have it. This isn't risk management. This isn't deathbed faith. This is I'll bet the farm on it. This is I'll give my life to it. This is I'll go anywhere and do anything because the only one I fear is God. And if he's for me, who can stand against me? Anyone else here today with this kind of favor? Anyone else believe this on their lives? This favor that we have is for right now in this season. This favor dismantles every single fear. And let me show you what I mean by this. God's favor on your past means you're forgiven. Everyone in the room today, everyone at every campus and watching online, God's favor, because he said that we are favored, it means everything has been forgiven. So much of our lives are rooted in fear because of what once happened what we went through, who we used to be, what was done to us. And we get this idea in our head that we will never be accepted, that we will never be forgiven, that we will always be a failure. God's favor says you have found forgiveness. There is nothing that can take that away. There's no sin. There's no mess up. You can't fall far enough away from God's favor. It is still right there. And when we have that, we have this favor, and it, and it doesn't stop there. Favor is not just for our past, and it's not just for heaven one day. Favor on our future means freedom. Freedom. Because you can only imagine how your life changes when you know that God is with you. When you know that you are backed by the God of this universe, you have freedom. Your life is no longer kind of brought down and minimized to this idea of what if I fail? You can't fail. Your, your, your ideas of being accepted are gone because you're not worried and living by what other people might think. No, you have favor, so you have freedom to live the life. There's no question of am I enough because you know that the Son of God was willing to die for you. If that doesn't tell you you're enough, nothing else ever will. Oh, come on. God's favor on our lives is so extremely powerful that it gets us to this spot where Joseph was. That even though one day he's ready to walk away from all of it, He's ready to just be done with the marriage. He can't believe this. He can't believe God would really do this. God would choose them. But then he has this one interaction with this angel. And the angel says, don't be afraid to. Did you catch that? Everything that was going on in Joseph's life was fear. What will people think? How will they accept me? How can I stand next to her through all of this? There was so much fear. And the angel told him, do not be afraid to. Do not be afraid to, to take her as your wife. Do not be afraid to stand next to her when that baby bump begins to show. Do not be afraid to walk with her in faith when people begin to gossip. When they begin to say things that aren't true about you, when they begin to drag your name through the mud, when they don't understand the life that God has called you, don't be afraid to 
Joseph. And our hope is that in this season, we could all come to this place where we know that we have favor, that we know that we have forgiveness, that we know that we have freedom so we can get to this spot where we're not afraid to. We're not afraid to fail. We're not afraid to go first. We're not afraid of what other people might say. We're not afraid of being enough because we know who we are. So in these next months to come and in the weeks to come leading up to Christmas, when fear tries to remind you of who you aren't, let God's favor remind you of who you are. When fear tries to remind you of who you are, let God's favor remind you of who you are, and you will be blown away about the power that comes from that. Because you get to this spot where you realize you can't fail because Jesus already succeeded. You get to this spot where you know that you can't be rejected because Jesus was already accepted. You get to this spot where you know that you are enough because you have God's favor on your life. And God's favor came with a spirit. And a spirit, and it wasn't a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of strength. It's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit that can turn this world upside down. It's a spirit that can't be stopped. It's a spirit that walks through anything. It doesn't matter the valley. It doesn't matter what's going on. It has confidence because it knows who's with it. We are with God. And as we go from here, as we begin to sit on this and as you wake up tomorrow and those fears begin to creep in because they will not give up. Because we cannot be stopped, but the enemy will try to distract us and making us believe that we're not enough. Making us believe that we will fail. Making us believe that we've already been direct, rejected. Making us believe that we will never be enough. You see, that's where fears come from. Fears come from the false realities that I tell myself. Fears come from my voice. Fears come from what other people have said about me, what I have believed. Favor comes from God. Truth comes from God. And we can walk into this season completely brand new. Let's not let this be another year where it's just winter but no Christmas because we have so much to celebrate because God has extended his favor on us. And our prayer as a church is that if there's anyone here today, and maybe you didn't know that Jesus came in this incredible way. You didn't know that he came and came and was born in Bethlehem, that he lived this perfect life. And at the end of it, he ended up going to a cross and dying for everyone, not just a select few, but for everyone. That means that everyone is a recipient of God's grace. That means God's grace is here for anyone and everyone. And if you're here today, our hope is that you could respond to that, that you could walk out of fear and into favor. Our hope is that we could get to this same spot Mary did, that even though fears were just crashing all around her, she had so much going on. By the end of the conversation, she said, may everything you have said about me come true. And when that's the voice that's in our head, when that's the belief that we had, when we know God is with us, that changes everything. And that's what I want to pray over us right now. I just want to pray that everything God has said about us will come true. And then we're just going to have a few moments to think and to reflect and to talk with God about everything that you've heard. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for today. 
God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the accounts that we have so that we can be certain. God, we can know you. Because of Jesus, we can see you. Because of your grace, we can understand just a little bit of you. And God, we pray today, we pray that because of the favor you have shown us, everyone here can walk out of fear, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. God, we pray right now for your favor. We pray that it would be extended. God, we pray right now that fears would, we could literally feel the weight of our fears fall. The fear of failure fall. The fear of being rejected fall. The fear of not being enough fall. And God, let us stand in newness. Let us stand in your grace. Let us stand in your spirit. Let us stand in confidence because we are more than enough in your spirit. We are more than enough as your sons. We are more than enough as your daughters. So God, help us to take this favor and to leave here with it. Help us to live with it, not to hold it back or to think it's only good for this one time, but it's good today. Your mercies are new every day. Your favor is new every day. God, help us to, to be there. Help us to experience that. God, may everything you've said about us be true. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.